here we go. That was a podcast. This is German. And uh, recording on the Monday night, we've had uh, a lot of football. Two Monday night games today, for whatever reason. Um, it felt like one of these games, both games turned out to be um, good, not because they were well played, but because they were super dysfunctional. Uh, a lot of mistakes were made. And you had, I had the sense, or, you know, I felt like one of these games would have been better off on their own on a Saturday, you know? And instead we get them both at the same time. Shout out to YouTube TV for the for the multi-cast and you're able to watch both of them at the same time. Um, and it's it's been a pretty uh, eventful week of sports. We're going to be... Um, I'm going to be going through week 14 of the NFL, and uh, I'm going to do some Otani at the end. Uh, but I'm going to start the pot off with uh, Devin Haney. Devin Haney made his debut at 140 on Saturday night, and he fought uh, Regis uh, Porgier. Porgier, yeah, I, I always butcher his name. We can call him Regis. And he fought Regis at 140, Regis being the champion, uh, Regis uh, just being at 140, that there was the sense, and David and I talked about it on the pod we did last week, there was a sense that maybe this was the weight that Haney should be. Because as the as Haney would fight in, in the other divisions, 130, 135, um, there came a moment, and David made a mention of this, where Haney would show up, and it was like if all the the muscle was sucked from his from from his face, he looked like a skeleton almost. And the biggest thing that I noticed immediately in the weigh-ins of this fight was that 140 Devin Haney looked healthy, he looked good, and that translated to a really good performance on Saturday night. Where he dominated Regis. Regis, you know, had the the chance because he has some pop. But, man, Haney, from beginning to end, was just in control of that fight and was never in trouble. The concern of his power was, at least for me, went away really fast because Devin Haney immediately showed that he had some pop at 140. And I tweeted out that it, it seemed like all the power that he was missing was now accessible to him at 140. Um, and he looked good. He he dropped Regis in the third round. Uh, he ended up winning by unanimous decision, which, you know, uh, Haney's never been a, a knockout artist by any means. But his skill has always been elite, and it's what's gotten us excited about Devin Haney as as a prospect and now as a as a champion and as a pro. Um, now Devin Haney from this point forward, you know it, he dictates who he wants to fight, and he's the guy that's been making moves. He's the guy that's been fighting everybody, um, and so the ball really is in his in his corner. Uh, there was uh, Deloy obviously wants to get in on any boxing conversation. Um, and he was saying that he's going to try to make the Ryan Garcia versus Devin Haney fight. Um, how much does that, uh, if that is true, 
I don't know, you know, but that's what he said. Um, but he need, has an opportunity now to go on this streak and fight the, the guys and become the face of of the young dudes, of the next generation, where we're still in the era of Canelo. This is still Canelo's time. But there's going to be a guy that has to take over Canelo, and, and Devin Haney has the opportunity to become the, the front runner of 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 that movement of the next age of the next era because he could fight Timo you know Delfimo Lopez he could fight Shukar Stevenson um I don't know if Tank goes up to 140 but he can fight Tank or Ryan Garcia or whoever else and this is where it gets really exciting for uh the sport because now we have a guy who has legitimate skills He's moving up to 140, and his skills and his power translate at that division. So, Devin Haney, wonderful performance, and uh, I, I hope he can, he can continue to build on it. I hope that we see many more exciting competitive fights, and, and I just hope he continues to to challenge and dare himself to to be great. So, Devin Haney, that's that, that happened on Saturday. Stocks of NFL. And we start the recap of week 14 with uh, the crybaby, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, um, if you haven't seen it by now, Patrick Mahomes in the game versus the Buffalo Bills. Um, in now, everyone's making it seem like they score that touchdown and they win. You know, because But it's like, well, Buffalo would have gotten the ball back. Um, so... It was the go-ahead touchdown, but it wasn't the deciding touchdown, you know, because there was time on the clock. But there's the, the infamous play now where where Kadarius Tony lines up offsides. He is like hiding the football. That's how offside he is. How far off the line he is. And typically, the wide receiver will look at the ref, will ask the ref, "Hey, you know." My good, and the ref will tell them, "Oh, you know, back up a little bit." And the 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 NFL released the uh, the referee report, and the referee report was pretty much like he was lined up so offsides that they had no choice but to call it. And Patrick Mahomes goes on to, goes on this tirade versus the the referee. It's the worst call he's ever seen. I can't believe they call it, and and it just was such an awful moment for a guy who up until this point was likable and there was no moment where he was hated by people um if we if we were to take um you know a survey of of the approval rating of Patrick Mahomes it would be super high cuz everybody loved Patrick Mahomes the way he carried himself and yesterday that kind of went away because for the very first time he became unlikable. And I remember as soon as I saw him getting all, all crazy and crying and, and complaining about, oh, I can't believe they made that call. The Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl versus the Philadelphia Eagles, they benefited from the call towards the end of the game where the refs called an illegal 
legal touch. And it was. It was it was a legal touch. Now the ball was never gonna be completed. But the Chiefs players, the coaches, the fans were saying, Hey, it's the letter of the law. It's or it's a foul. A foul's a foul. And that's what this is here. A foul's a foul, Patrick Mahomes. They have to call it. Now you may not like it. You may think that's crazy. You can, you may, and you may think, oh man, they, they don't call it. But actually, this season they they begin, they've started calling that more often than ever before, because the NFL has made it a point to where they can't. They're not going to allow offensive players to line up offsides anymore. And so for him to go on this tirade, and then after the game, there's the the. The interaction between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and, and Mahomes goes up to Josh Allen, and Allen's just trying to be like, "Hey, man, good game," and grant and grant you this. Josh Allen has had his heart broken in Buffalo, in Kansas City, plenty of times, and every single time he he had his heart broken, Josh Allen walked to the middle of the field and said, "Hey, good game, congratulations," and he sucked it up. And Patrick Mahomes yesterday, he walks up to Josh Allen and says, man, that was the worst effing call I've ever seen. And it, it, it just showed you this side of, of this guy who who is so entitled and feels entitled to every call, feels entitled to, to, to receive every call, that it was just so lame. It was so lame of Patrick Mahomes. He's a two-time MVP. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. This should be beneath him. This shouldn't be what he complains about. If he wants to yell at somebody, he should be yelling at Kadarius Tony, who lined up off sides. He's the one that cost you the game. He's the one that, that, that made the mistake, not the refs. So, it, And then Andy Reid goes on and says, oh, this is embarrassing for the league, and I can't believe they did this. And uh, I'm seeing all this, and I'm flabbergasted because I'm like, oh, Embarrassed of what? Like, what did the what did the league do? Call the uh, the correct call? Now, maybe, just maybe, I'm a salty 49er fan. Maybe, and, and and I'm willing to possibly accept that that's my angle here because I remember when we played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, um, Nick Bosa was being held all game long, and they never called it so to see Mahomes cry about the refs it's just like man shut up like you've you've been the beneficiary of so many whistles so please stop crying so um I want to start week 14 with that with just just the the awful display of sportsmanship displayed by Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night. Um, that some people said, oh, it's because he's super competitive and the regular person's not going to understand because he's a super competitive guy and the elites are like that. Okay, but, you know, the elites would have yelled at the correct person. You know, th there was people who were saying, oh, you know, Tom Brady lost it. Yeah, Tom Brady would lose it with his teammates. And... Peyton Manning would lose it with his teammates. Somebody else mentioned Michael Jordan and how Michael Jordan was super competitive. Yeah, Michael Jordan went at it with his teammates when his, his teammates didn't do what they had to do. 
that tirade that, that Mahomes did where the team had to separate him away from the ref, that should have been directed at Kadarius Tony. That's who should have been yelled at. When Andy Reid says, oh, he should be embarrassed, that the league should be embarrassed. No, 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 Kadarius Tony should be embarrassed because he's a professional wide receiver. How do you not know where to line up? So, yeah, I, you could miss me with the Chiefs and, 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 and they're crying. Um, but the Bills went into Arrowhead and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Bills needed that game. The Bills went into that game and they were 6-6. Six and six. And the Bills at this point, every game is pretty much a playoff game if they want to get in. Josh Allen is starting to play a lot better. And I believe in the Bills. I believe in Josh Allen. I think this team, if they get into the playoffs, they become the scariest team because, as, as I mean, what we've, saw, what we've seen this weekend, who in the AFC is good, like legitimately good? Obviously, Baltimore is a good team and Miami's a good team and, you know, the Chiefs, you can never count them out. But this is not, you know, in previous years, we had the, the, the elite of the elite be in both conferences. And this year, it just seems the NFC has the elite of the elite. And the AFC is just, you know, all these teams that are good, but you can poke, you know, and, and look at the, the major flaws in all of the AFC teams. And the Bills are prime to um, to be to show up and to do and to do their thing. So um, that was a huge win. That was the best win of yesterday. Was the Buffalo Bills going into Arrowhead and beating the Kansas City Chiefs? Um, in another game, we had uh, C.J. Stroud, rookie sensation from Ohio State. He was he finally had a bad game, and it was. It was weird, uh, you know, I, I was following the game, and, and, and I just, I was like, oh, you know, they, they're going to beat the Jets, right? The, there's no way that the, the Texans are going to lose to the Jets. And not only did they lose to the Jets, they got they got spanked by the, the Jets. C.J. Stroud, 10-23, yards. Just his worst game of, of his young NFL season. Zach Wilson on the other side had a good game, 27-36, 301 yards, two touchdowns, and they scored 30 points, 30 points in the second half, the Jets did. So um, it was a good win for the Jets, good for the morale, good for Zach Wilson for his confidence. Um, it was a bad loss for the Texans, but um, they're probably the team that has a good record because they've beat um, – Bad teams. That that's that they're they're the good bad team, um, if that makes any sense. The Texans are. Um, the Patriots on Thursday. I want to highlight this. I'm not gonna really talk about this game much because it's uh, not much to talk about. But the Pats stupidly won that game. The Pats are trying to get a high pick and they win versus the Steelers. Now the Steelers had Mitchell Trubisky starting, and that's always a recipe. Uh, for disaster. Um, Mike Tomlin has been the Steelers coach for a long time. He's only had four playoff wins, and I know the, you know the, this idea that Mike Tomlin, he always finishes at least 500. And he's, you know, he's a good press conference coach. 
are we sure he's an elite football coach? Are we sure he's like with Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid and 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 Sean McVay? Because I mean he he's he's a good coach. He's he's a good you know face of the franchise. He's gonna get in front of the reporters and say the right stuff. He's kind of he's a lot like John Harbaugh. I don't know if John Harbaugh is a good X's and O coach, but I know that if John Harbaugh gets in front of a group of of players, he's gonna he's gonna lead them and guide them the right way. But we've also seen John Harbaugh do some dumb things and, and lose some dumb games in his career, and we see the same thing with with Mike Tomlin. But Mike Tomlin never gets the heat, and I think it's time he gets the heat because the Steelers are a historic franchise. And this guy's only won four playoff games his entire time there. Something's not adding up there. But um, that was my two cents on that one. Uh, The Rams. The Rams go to Baltimore. And it was a a game that they, quite frankly, they should have won. Matthew Stafford looks like Matthew Stafford again. And they have a running back, Kyron Williams, the fact that they were able to get him in, in, in the in the draft, and last year, you know, Sean McVay was really excited for Kyron Williams, and it's why it it didn't work out with Cam Akers. Um, but Cooper Cup is back, and Cooper Cup looks looks really good again. And um, they have Puka, who's who's a star, and so the Rams. I like the Rams team. The, the the only thing, and I said it last week too. They just if they get any injury to the major guys, it's done. It's over. But if they're able to stay healthy and they get into the playoffs, that's a this is that's a good football team. But they let one slip away in Baltimore. They had Baltimore. They you know Lamar wasn't playing well. Um, the the Ravens the Ravens were. Looks spotty, and I know you know if you look at the stats, Lamar's stats are really good. But if, if you're watching the game, uh, Lamar just w- wasn't crisp throughout the game, um, and ultimately the, the Rams lose on a punt return in overtime. A brutal way to lose, but it's how they they go down um, versus the Ravens. The Bengals, the Bengals lost Joe Burrow two weeks ago, and when they lost Joe Burrow. We were all like, oh, well, there you go. There goes the Bengals season. So nice of them to show up, but their season is over now. And maybe their season isn't over. Jake Browning had another good game. He had a really good game last week versus the versus Jacksonville. And this year and this week versus the Colts. He had another good game. And Cincinnati wins going away 34-14 in a game. Now, we weren't expecting them to be in this position, but for because this is a team that is in playoff contention now, they needed to win this game. Seven and six, and they're in that cluster of all the other AFC teams that are seven and six. Um, I saw this this guy. He, he did this video on, on TikTok, um, and I, I don't remember his name or anything, but... He was he was saying how this has the making of a Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe, which I thought was like stupid. Like, what 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 a stupid take? Because 
Drew Bledsoe was a good quarterback when Tom Brady took over, but he was no Joe Burrow. And I was like, "Are you? What are you to like? What are you saying? What are you talking about?" And according to this guy, Jake Browning has the makings of being the next Tom Brady, and Joe Burrow will be Drew Bledsoe. I'll tell you this: if for whatever reason the bank, you know, Jake Browning becomes the next big star, uh, the next Brock Purdy, because I think everyone's now looking for their Brock Purdy. Joe Burrow's going to have a way better career than Drew Bledsoe because Joe Burrow's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. And you couldn't say that about Drew Bledsoe uh, when Tom Brady took over him. So I, I, I wanted to say that, you know, because that, that, that was a weird video I saw. I'm like, man, it, you know, we're just ma- making anything for, for clicks at this point. If, if we're going to say Browning, it's going to be Tom Brady. Um, Last week, I mentioned how the Lions, to me, were starting to smell like frauds. And they were starting to smell like the team of, of just pretenders, not ready. And guess what? They go to Chicago and they lose 20-13. to 13. They look bad. Jared Goff looks like pre-Sean McVay Jared Goff. He looks really bad. He looks rattled. He doesn't look confident anymore. And the Bears... Put it on the the Lions. They, you know, quite frankly, the Lions should have lost to the Bears twice. You know, but they lose this one. They drop to nine and four. Now they've had such a great start that, in terms of records and in terms of where they're going to be in the standings, it's not really gonna. It didn't really affect them. The Packers losing today um, actually really helped them. So. In terms of that, the Lions are, are fine. You know, they're the third seed in the NFC, and they're fine. And maybe this is just, you know, they're they're little struggling time, and, and they're, they're going to get it together. But um, to lose to the Bears and to struggle to the Bears from back-to-back um, times that you play them is pretty alarming for a team that we are told that they, were, they are Super Bowl contenders. They just don't have the defense to do that. And if... And if Goff is going to not play well, they don't have the coaching and they don't have the players around Jared Goff to survive a bad Jared Goff performance. So um, the Lions are frauds, pretenders. Um, the Eagles. The Eagles have lots to straight, and I know it's easy to dump on the Eagles right now. But the Eagles are still 10-3. The Eagles still have a really good coach. The Eagles still have a really good roster. Now, you can say the Eagles have been exposed. Maybe. But we have to be very careful when we talk like that because we have to go back. And the Eagles, when they played the Dolphins, for example, we started the Dolphins. The Jets game was a weird game. Till this day, we don't know why they lost that game. But they beat the Dolphins 31-17 in a game that the Eagles were never in danger of losing. The Eagles did Eagle things where they are not as they don't execute as well. But if you watch that game, the Eagles were never in trouble to lose that game. Then they go to the Commanders, and the Commanders divisional game, the Commanders always play them tough, but they beat them. 38-31. 
they play the Cowboys. The Cowboys divisional team, the Cowboys are really good, but they beat the Cowboys 28-23. Then they play the Chiefs, and we left that game thinking, I think the Chiefs are better. We think they're better. But the Eagles escape, they win. Same thing when they played the Bills. Now, I'm not sure if we were saying the Bills are better, but we kind of well, felt like, man, the Bills should have won this game. But we were still in this place of, well, the Eagles haven't played their best game yet, but, man, they keep winning, and that's all that matters. And then they play the 49ers. Now, I'm saying this not just because they're my favorite team, but the stats are overwhelming. The best team in football, both sides of the ball, best team in football, the best coach in football. So they come in and they completely beat up the Eagles. They play against the Cowboys. After what the Cowboys saw, the Niners did. And the Cowboys did very similar things to what the Niners did. They put their the, the Eagles linebackers in positions where they had to make plays and we know that the that what's the Achilles heel for the Eagles is that linebacker core and that's all they did they went after the linebackers and they made them pay and so for all this talk that the Eagles are done that the Eagles have been exposed yeah they've been exposed by the two best teams in all of football only the, the Cowboys and the 49ers have been able to do to the Eagles what they've done to them the last two weeks. Everybody else, the Bills, the the Dolphins, the Chiefs, none of those teams were able to do to the Eagles what the Niners did to the Eagles. And the Niners have been doing that to multiple teams this season. So I think it's we need to pump the brakes on this idea that the Eagles are done that the Eagles suck that the Eagles are not going to make it because the Eagles will play the the Seahawks next Monday the Seahawks are not in good position that should be a really good game because the Eagles need a good a, a, a game to feel good about themselves and so do the the Seahawks and after that the Eagles to close the season off will play the Giants on Monday Christmas Day they play the Giants at home in Philly. Then they get the Cardinals on New Year's Eve and they close out the season. They end the season versus the Giants. Now, if you ever needed three games to get right, those are three games to get right. The Giants twice and the Cardinals. So we need to remember who the Eagles were before they played the Niners, what we felt about the Eagles before they played the Niners, because that's that that Eagle team is the team that we're going to be talking about when they get into the playoffs. The team that's one of the best teams in football, one of the best one. You know, if you're making a list of who's going to win the Super Bowl, I think you go Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, and then you go to the AFC. So the Eagles are still that team. They just ran into two of the best teams in all of football. So let's 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 relax a little bit with our with what we're saying about this Eagles team. Um, but they did lose. Dak did look good, and uh, yeah. So 
And the Niners took over the first spot. So thanks to the Cowboys for that. The two Monday night games, we had the Packers versus the Giants. Uh, Jordan Love was getting (laughs) a lot of love. Um, And Tommy DeVito, shout out to Tommy DeVito. Uh, He beat the Packers 24-22. I don't know how the Packers lost. The Packers defense um, was awful today. Both teams did dumb things and committed dumb turnovers um the Packers this was a great opportunity for the Packers to to um make some ground because I was looking at this game like man if they could beat the if the Giants then they're at seven and six the Lions are nine and four the Lions are reeling could the Packers make a run at the division and now all that is over. So, um, yeah, the Packers let one get away. On the other one, Dolphins, Titans. I don't know how the, the, the Dolphins lost this game. Uh, Tua was really bad in the last sequence. I don't know why Tyreek wasn't in the game for, you know, a few of the plays in the last series. Um, I don't know how the Dolphins lost that game. I really don't. Um, the Titans are, you know, with now I will say Will Levis has a good arm and he's probably going to be pretty good moving forward. But the Dolphins were nine and three heading into this game. This is a game you have to take care of business Monday night at home. There is no way you let the Titans come into your home and beat you. That's exactly what happened. The Dolphins, like I said last week, are really good are really talented. They have a good coach, but they have yet to do it when it matters. And we are in December, and this is when we begin to see which teams are built for the Super Bowl and which teams are not. And in the second test, the Dolphins in December, they lose. And that's where we're at. And also, uh, Matt LaFleur, Packers coach. He finally loses a game in December. We can put that to rest, this idea that he's unbeatable in December. Um, he, he loses today, so um, he's no longer perfect in December. Let me give you the standings. This is where we're at. Uh, we, have four week, we have four weeks left in the, in the regular season, and a lot of stuff to be sorted out. Now, the 49ers with the Loss of the Packers, clinch a playoff spot. So the Niners are in. The Niners are going to be one of the seven teams to represent the NFC. West, the NFC. So the Niners are the first number one seed with the Cowboys beating the Eagles. So the Niners are 10-3, and three, number one seed. And they hold tiebreakers versus the Cowboys and the Eagles, which will be the three teams that are going to battle for the for the number one seed. So that's that's huge. So the Niners hold not only tiebreakers, so that means that they hold, you know, it, it's their destiny. They hold the, the, their destiny in their hands. So the Niners win out. Regardless of what the Cowboys and Eagles do, the Niners will get the number one seed. Um, second seed, the Cowboys, with the win, they get to uh, the second seed in, in the NFC. You get the Lions nine and four. You get the Bucks, and somebody needs to win. Someone's gonna have to win 
the South, the NFC South, that division is really bad, and whoever wins that is going to get a, get to host a wild card game, and they'll lose that wild card game. Um, but it's it's a three way tie. The Bucks, the Falcons, and the Saints are all six and seven. Um, because of tiebreakers, the Bucks are right now the division winners, um, and that gives us the Eagles at the fifth seed, ten and three. The Vikings at seven and six, and the Packers now. You get the Packers, the Rams, the Seahawks, the 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 Falcons, and New Orleans all at six and seven. Now, the two teams that I would like to see in the playoffs, just because they're more exciting and they're the better teams, are the Packers and the Rams. Um, but they they're they're, they're going to have to win out. Now the Rams have a pretty winnable schedule throughout. The Rams have home versus the commanders home versus the saints they play the giants and they end the season at at san francisco now the rams are probably rooting for the last game of the season where the niners play their backup so that it can be an easier win and that way the niners have nothing to play for and so there's a roadmap where the rams could go 4-0 they get to ten and seven, and they get into the playoffs. So, there's a roadmap for that. Um, and everybody else, you know, it, it's just going to be <laughs> such a su- such a crazy um, and wild end to to the regular season. We have the, for example, the Packers. The Packers end the season. They go. They play against the Bucks, which is going to be a, a big game for playoff seating, and they go at. Panthers at Vikings and home versus the Bears. Now, within those games, three four, three out of the four games will decide playoff seedings because the Bears secretly are kind of in the mix at five and eight, and so are the the, the Giants. So the Packers and the and the Rams have a really good opportunity to get into the playoffs because um, Atlanta, New Orleans are not that big of a threat. The Vikings lost uh, Justin Jefferson again, and who knows what what his status is going to be. And they looked awful in their three zero win versus the versus the Vi- the Raiders on Sunday. And they have the Bengals, the the Packers, and the Lions twice. So that's a tougher schedule for the Vikings. Um, so it's all set up there for the Packers and the Rams to get those two final playoff spots in the in the NFC. In the AFC, we have the Ravens at 10 and 3. They're probably going to end up getting the number 1 seed. You get the Dolphins at 9 and 4 with the 2 seed. You get Chiefs and Jaguars 8 and 5 and you get um the the Browns at 8 and 5. And so that's that's the those are the the first 5 seeds. Now from there, you get, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six teams at seven and six. Pittsburgh, um, the Colts, the Texans, Denver, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. All at seven and six. Now, Denver's playing surprisingly well. I think the Titans are going to fall off. I think the Bills are going to get in, and I think the Bengals are going to get in too. That that's that's my prediction, but um, 
on both sides, the the, the lower end, the, the final spots are going to be um, it's just super exciting races to, to see which team gets in, which teams are able to rally around um, their coach, their quarterback, and which team ultimately is able to avoid any serious injury. Because um, that's ultimately, you know, football ends up coming down to that. Let's do some Otani. It came out today that uh, Otani, his contract details were revealed. Now, I got to give Harry a shout out because Harry called it. In, in the, the, the pod I did with him on Saturday, he, he talked about how the they were going to defer a lot of the money. Now, you know, I didn't think he was wrong. I just didn't think they were going to defer so much of it. So the de- the, these are the details. So Otani, so, so the, the, the eye-catching numbers, 10 years, 700 million. You're like, dang, he's going to get paid $70 million a year. But this, so this is what's, what's going to happen. So from... The 10 years that he signed, so 2024 to 2034, he's getting paid $2 million. And you can say, wow, that's it? Like, how, how, is that, how, like, how does that even make sense? Well, you got to figure Tani's going to make a lot more off of, off of revenue, but off of uh, sponsors. So from that point, from that standpoint, it doesn't matter. And from 2034 to 2043, the Dodgers will pay out Otani $68 million a year for those 10 years to pay out the contract. Now, this is a big deal because, A, this doesn't happen. You know, uh, a guy gets a big contract and they get it in the, the allotted time of the contract. And... There's people saying, oh, well, this is going to change the game because now everyone's going to do that. No, not everyone's going to do that because not everybody, A, wants to do that. Not everybody can do that. Now, Otani is doing this really because he wants to win. Because what this does is the Dodgers are on the on the hook for Otani for only $2 million. That's it this season. Now, they're able to go out and get more pitching because that's what they need. And they're able to just load up the team, not just this season, but over the next 10 years, they're able to load the team around Otani and Betts and Freddie Freeman to the point where it becomes one of the biggest advantages in all sports, this Otani contract. And this tells you that all Otani really cared about, A, was the winning. Because he could have gone to Toronto, he could have gone to the Giants and just cashed it out. No, doesn't matter. But he's going to do this $2 million for over the next 10 years. And he's going he's, he's, he's to help the Dodgers in a major way. Now, there is also the, the, the fear that, oh man, but once he, you know, 2034 comes in, the Dodgers are screwed because they're going to pay the tax. And, you know, how are you going to have, you know, on the book, $68 million? Look, I don't know where sports is going to be in 2034. I don't know if we're going to be alive in 2034. But I do know this. 
money's going to the 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 tax bracket in baseball is not going to get lower it's only going to get higher so in 10 years in 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 2034 68 million dollars isn't going to be what it is today and that's why this is even more genius because yeah if you're doing the finances of a baseball team today in 2023 68 million dollars is a lot of money but if you're doing the finances in 2034 those finances are going to be very different and otani by then that contract will not be the highest in baseball that contract might be average middle of the road so for the dodgers to be paying 68 million dollars in 2034 it's not going to be the hit that it is today so the dodgers today proved um, that they're the smartest guys in the room they have the biggest wallets they have the biggest brains and the yankees went out and they made all their splashy moves they got juan soto um, and you know they're probably still they're probably not done, but baseball is one. When you make the trades that not only solidify your team in the now, but help you in the long run, and the Dodgers have been able with this signing and with this contract structure, they're going to be able to load the team around these guys. Not just with veterans and not just with superstar pitchers, but they're going to be able to invest a lot of that money into that farm system, go into Japan and go into Latin America and get the guys that have really helped the Dodgers get to where they're at today. So brilliant move by the Dodgers, um, brilliant move by Otani, um, because if, you know, he has yet to play and wear a Dodger jersey, but he's already... Um, all in. He's already Dodger through and through with this because he, with this he's saying I want to win here. How much do I want to win here? I, I'm willing to only get paid two million dollars so that the whole team can can be better. So that's where we're at. That's where we're at with Haney. That's where we're at with Week 14 and Otani. I have another pod um, after the Champions League. Manchester United plays tomorrow. Um, I'm I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful, but I think we're gonna lose. But I'm hopeful. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna be like, you know what? We're gonna win. This is gonna be fine. And uh, ten minutes into the game, I'm probably gonna be hating life. So, um, so watch that. Champions League Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and so I have a I have a pod doing the recap of the Champions League, and then Week 15, um, and then I'll do an NBA pod as well so keep an eye out for that thank you for listening until next time it was a podcast talk to you later